6.30 till 8, four Wednesday nights. And stop by and get your books, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you that as we approach your word, we do so reverently. And we trust that you'll speak to us and encourage us all. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. The Bible says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace abound toward you. It's interesting. Uh, all grace would imply that there's more than one kind of grace. And I'm going to title this today, Grace, 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 because there's three different kinds of grace that we find mentioned in the Bible. Three different kinds of grace that we find mentioned in the Bible. First of all, there's saving grace. Secondly, there's serving grace. And finally, there's standing grace. And we want to talk about those three kinds of grace today. Saving grace, serving grace, and standing grace. First of all, saving grace. Now, you need to understand what God's saving grace is. It is his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. And we all ought to be real excited about that. Because God's saving grace, again, I'll say, is his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, which he provided for us through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving us eternal life and saving us from eternal hell. And, and that's 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 good news. And uh, when you talk about saving grace. Uh, this is a, uh, I think they call this an acrostic. It's, it's something that will help you remember, uh, God's saving grace, G-R-A-C-E. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, G, God's, R, riches, A, at, C, Christ's, E, expense. Grace, see? God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's what saving grace is all about. We get saved. That's God's riches. And it's totally at Christ's expense. How many of you like that little acrostic? That's, that's really good. Grace. It's God's riches. Saving grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Now notice Ephesians 2. Verse eight, Ephesians two, verse eight. Let's get some scripture scripture on this. Notice the Bible says, by grace, you have been saved. Notice saving grace by grace. You've been saved through what? Through faith. Now, you understand, and, and though the Bible doesn't bear it out here, but we could take you to numerous other scriptures that that faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not a mental thing. It's a heart thing. It's not a mental thing. It's a heart thing. You need to realize that just because you believe in God with your head. That doesn't access saving grace. Did, did you get what I just said? There, there's people that will say, well, I believe in God. But just because you believe in God doesn't mean that you've accessed saving grace. 
Over in the book of James, the Bible says that the demons believe in God and tremble. Just just believing in God does not access this saving this saving grace. What you have to believe is not doesn't come from your head. It comes from your heart. And you have to from your heart place your trust, your faith, your belief, your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you access this saving grace. And it's by this grace that we're saved. But it's real loud say through faith. It's through faith. Notice, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Free gift. Now, either a gift is free or it isn't. And if it's a gift, it's free. Is that correct? For God, John 3, 16, you don't have to turn there, but for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Is that correct? So, so Jesus is God's free gift. This saving grace is God's free gift. And how do you access it? You access it through faith. A gift is free. Now, I heard a preacher say this one time, and it's so true. God's saving grace is free, but it's not cheap. It's free to us. But it cost God everything that he had, the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Is that right? When he died on the cross for us and, and all that he went through. Notice here, it's the gift of God, verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's absolutely nothing that you and I can do in and of ourselves to save ourselves. That's really hard for people to get through their noggins. Because I think somehow or another from the time that we're children, somehow or another we're trained one way or another that, you know, well, if we do good things, one day we'll get to go to heaven. How many of you know that that's not so? I said it's not so. And and people are deceived a lot of times and they'll think, well, if I'm a good deed doer and I do good things... Then one day I'll get to go to heaven. That's just not true. There are so many good deed doers in hell right now that it stagger your. Did you get what I just said? I can tell just saying that. I can tell in the spirit just saying that. That 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 that. Have you ever taken a cat when you rub the cat from head to back? It's but when have you ever rubbed a cat the wrong way and you rub it from the bottom to the top? It makes the the hairs bristle. I can tell that makes people bristle when you say that uh, that there's 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 a lot of good deed doers in hell right now. But there are because they were trusting in their good works to get them to heaven. And right here, the Bible says it's real loud, say not of works. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. If there's something that you could do or I could do, some good work that we could do that that would uh, access this saving grace, then we could stand before God and boast and say, hey, God, I'm up here because I gave ten million dollars to the church. You know, you can't give enough money to the church to access this saving grace. Did you hear what I just said? You can't do enough good deeds 
to access this saving grace. Actually, there's a scripture and you can be a good assignment for you to look it up sometime. But there's a scripture in the New Testament that says this. When we try to access saving grace through works, we frustrate the grace of God. Did you get that? When you try to access saving grace by doing good deeds and doing good works, the grace of God is frustrated. Because you see, God's saving grace cannot be accessed through anything that we do in and of ourselves. Did you get that? The only thing we can do is with a believing or repentant and believing heart. Cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and and receive him. And when we do that, that's when we access this saving grace. Did you hear me? A lot of times people will say, well, yeah, but 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 I have to be water baptized to complete the salvation formula. How many of you know water baptism does not complete your salvation? You had better be born again and on your way to heaven before you go in to the waters of baptism or the waters of baptism won't do you any good. Don't won't mean anything. Did you hear what I just said? Now, there's people fight wars with with me over that statement. But you study the Bible and you'll see that, that you can you can be water baptized till you almost drowned. And it doesn't help you get saved. It doesn't complete your salvation. There's people that will teach you that you have to repent, believe, and be water baptized before you're saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, is water baptism a good thing? Yes. Did Jesus command it? Yes. Should we be water baptized? Yes. But it's simply, water baptism is simply an outward sign of an inward happening. Remember Abraham, now this has to do with circumcision, but we'll study this in the Romans class. I think it's in Romans, the fourth chapter, I believe is where it's at. The Bible, because see, there's people back in the days of the New Testament church that taught, and errantly so, that you had to have faith in Jesus and be circumcised to be saved. And that's in error. And then Paul brought out, he said that Abraham, remember, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Remember that in Romans four, Paul goes through the apostle Paul goes through and he said that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness before he was ever circumcised. And the circumcision was just a sign of the righteousness, which he already had through his faith. Did did you did you get that? And in like manner, people will tell you, well, you know, you have to be water baptized in order to to access the saving grace of God. No, no, no. Now, is water baptism important? Yes. Should we be water baptized? Yes. But will water baptism help you access the saving grace? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's either even people will tell you that you have to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. To be saved. How many of you know that's not so? How many of you know being baptized with the Holy Ghost is a good thing? How many of you know speaking in tongues is a good thing? But how many of you know you have to be born again on your way to heaven before you can be baptized with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues? Is that right? So we could go on and on. But but the, the, the thing that you need to realize and understand is that God's saving grace is accessed not by works, not by anything that we can do in and of ourselves, 
Is there anything you can do to help out with your salvation besides believing in Jesus and trusting in him from your heart? Is there anything you can do in and of yourself? Is there any isn't there something, some little thing you could do? How about walking the little old lady across the street? Will that help? How about buying Girl Scout cookies? Will that help? How about giving Girl Scout cookies to the pastor? Could that help? And I won't eat them now anyway. I've just lost 60 pounds over the last year, so I don't want to put that weight back on. The point is, is there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. And that goes against a lot of times our thinking. You know one of the hardest, you know one of the hardest sinners to reach with the gospel is the good moral person that doesn't cuss, doesn't drink, doesn't chew, doesn't cheat on their spouse. Huh? They're harder to get through to than the old drunk. Because you see the old drunk, you go up to him and he'll, he'll, he'll probably admit, yeah, I'm an old drunk. I need, I need some help. But the person that's so morally sound and good, they're some of the hardest people to get through to with the gospel because they'll argue with you and they'll, they'll start quoting all your good work, their good works. And they're trusting in that. Did you, did you, did you? And you have to get them to see, you have to reposition them. You have to take the word of God and reposition them and get them to see that it's not those good works. But it's faith in Jesus. And that's hard to do a lot of times because people will want to trust in their good deeds. But notice here, if you look at verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, this is talking to somebody who has already accessed Saving grace through faith. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, realize, say, for good works, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Should we as Christians be good deed doers? Yes. Do those good deeds get us to heaven? No. Now, those good deeds will be rewarded once in heaven, but they won't get us to heaven. The thing that gets us to heaven is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But once in heaven, then the good deeds you've done can and will be rewarded at what is known as the judgment seat of Christ. You see, I like the way this one preacher said this. He said, good works are not the... uh, Root of our salvation. Good works are the fruit of our salvation. I like that, don't you? See, good works do not cause our salvation, but good works are a result of our salvation. And Christians should be the biggest good deed doers on the planet. Did you hear what I just said? But realizing those good works will not get us to heaven. It's the saving grace that is accessed through faith. So do you think we've covered saving faith where you saving grace rather where you understand some things about it now? That, all right. Are you OK. All right. So this is just a little 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 uh, little expose here on on saving grace. We could spend the whole time and just talk about saving grace and still not do it justice. But I think you get the point. Now let's talk about the second kind of grace. Serving grace. Serving grace. Now, while saving grace was the uh, uh, the thing that got us to heaven, that got us born again, you understand, through the blood of Jesus and all of that. 
Serving grace now is available to the Christian who has experienced the saving grace. Now serving grace is available to that Christian. Here's what it is. It's God's ability upon believers to serve in a particular capacity. It's God's ability upon believers to serve in a particular capacity. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Notice what the Apostle Paul said here. He said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Notice, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, now he's talking there about the saving grace. How many of you know Paul was a bad dude, wasn't he? Before he was Paul, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. Mean, nasty individual. Very brilliant. And very religious. Wasn't he very religious? But he was lost as a Christmas goose. I, I, I just feel impressed. I didn't say this a while ago, but how many of you remember Cornelius in Acts, the 10th chapter? He was a good man, wasn't he? Full of good works, a good family man. He prayed. He gave to the poor. And the angel appeared to him and said, send for Peter. He'll tell you what you must do. Now, wait a minute. Now, this guy's a good man. He's a good moral, moral individual. What does he need to do? He needed to hear the message that Peter had. And Peter came and preached Jesus to him about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And while Peter was preaching to Cornelius and his household, they were so full of, full of faith. All they needed was to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they believed and the power of God hit them. And they got born again. Then they got baptized. They got born of the Spirit. Then they got baptized with the Spirit, spoke in tongues. And then they got water baptized, you see. But you see, they, Cornelius was a good man. Saul, he was a bad, bad individual. If, if Saul of Tarsus was here, he'd take us and he, he'd want to take us out and, 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 and cut our heads off. Feed us to the lions. This is a man that God used to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. Isn't God's saving grace wonderful? Because see, Saul one day was on the road to, to, to Damascus. Remember that? And he was going in there to persecute Christians. And then a light shone about him. Remember that? And knocked him to the ground. And, 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 and Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And you see, when, when Saul called Jesus Lord, the Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be what? Will be saved. And you see right there on the road. See, Saul was going to die on that road that day, one day or the other. One way or the other. Either the power of God was going to take him out or he was going to repent. How many of you glad he repented? And he did die. The old man was, was, died that day and, and, and he, he was on that road. He started out on that road as, as Saul, but he, but, but he wound up being known as what? As Paul, because you see the saving grace of God hit him on the road to Damascus. And he says right here in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Remember, uh, Paul said in another scripture, he said, I have wronged no man. Do you remember him saying that? How can you say that? You used to kill Christians. 
and persecute Christians. Because you see, when you become a Christian and, and the saving grace of God hits you, you're no longer the person that you once were. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. Isn't that wonderful? And do you know Jesus never did bring Saul's sin up to him again after he called him Lord on the road there? Here's a man that killed people, had him put in prison. Oh, thank God for the blood of Jesus has washed his sin as far away as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Isn't that wonderful? And so he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he says this, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored. You'd want to underline that I labored more abundantly than they all. Now watch this. He's going to start talking about the serving grace now. He said, yet not I. He said, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. But what was it? It was the grace of God which was with me. You remember Paul and all the powerful things he did for the Lord Jesus? Remember, remember, we could go and take a couple hours and read about all the wonderful things that he did. And you need to realize that he labored But it really wasn't him. He was yielding himself, but it was the grace of God. It was God's ability upon him that allowed him to do all that he was able to do. We as Christians need this serving grace. Now, there is no doubt that God's grace or ability Enables us to serve within the church. But do you know that. The grace of God can come on us. To serve in areas. Where we don't think we have any talent. Did you hear what I just said? Let me read from my notes. When there is a need in a certain area and no one with the ability is available, God can put his serving grace, his ability upon anyone to serve in areas where they have no real call or interest or ability. Especially until someone comes along with a call or an interest or ability in a certain area. I think that that uh, this one here. Has been most evident to me with my wife uh, when she first started. Now, you need to realize that, 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 that all the projection stuff that you see and all of those, those, the videos and everything you see, it's all run with computer. And my wife is responsible for all of that. And we appreciate all that she does. But you need to realize that years ago... She could not literally, you know how you take a mouse on a computer and move the mouse around and that pointer moves. My wife could not move a mouse. It was, it was, it was, it, and I had to teach her. Now she knows far more than me now about computers. I, 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 she's way beyond me. But there was a day she couldn't even move a mouse. It was almost funny. And it was embarrassing. And, you know, my wife couldn't even move a mouse. But we had a need in the church for somebody to do what she, you know, what, what, 
this computer stuff. And you know what? I've said this to people over the years. We have a need. Now, if you tend here, do I ever pressure anybody to serve in any areas? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Because I came out of a church where we were pressured to do things and it's no fun. So I learned some things and I don't pressure folks. I don't want to put you in that position. But we had a need. We needed this computer stuff to be done and we had no one to do it. And so my wife, I watched, I watched the, 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 the serving grace of God, the ability of God come on her. And she went from where she couldn't even move a mouse to where she does all kinds of bizarre, fantastic things on the computer. What was that? It was God's serving grace that came upon her. And, and, and I've said to people over the years, different times, just, you know, generally, I've said, well, you know, we, we really have a need in a certain area and not pressuring them. And, and I've had people say this again and again. Well, that's just not my thing. Well, you know what? If you'll yield yourself to the serving grace of God, that power of God, that ability of God can, can come on you and he can grace you to do something that you don't think is your thing. Amen. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? Yes. Another example of this, and my wife didn't tell me to do this, but if you go over to the children's church sometime, much of the, the, the murals over there, those wall paintings... Now, my wife, she did all that. I watched her do it. It was real bland over there in the children's church. She had no she has no real artistic ability to do those sorts of things. But I watched the grace of God come on her. And she she uh, under that grace did just a wonderful job. You ought to go over to the children's church sometime and look at all those murals on the wall. Almost all of them. There's another lady did did some of them, but uh, two ladies did some of them. But my wife did most of them over there. It's just beautiful. It was the grace of God. Why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this simply for the fact to let you know that if there's a need in an area and there's no one else to do that certain thing, you can yield yourself to the grace of God and that serving grace can come on you and enable you to do the thing that needs to be done. Did did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? This serving grace is available to everybody. And did you know that everybody that how many of you know God has a local church for everybody? And how many of you would agree with me that in that local church, everybody ought to be doing something? Because God has something for you to do, whatever that is. Did you hear what I just said? Serving in some area. And. You need to just be sure that you're doing your part. Do your part. Do you realize if you do your part, then everything will work a lot better in the church. Uh, I'll say this. I've heard different ones say over the years. Well, God's grace is just lifting from me. Not, not, Not his saving grace, but his serving grace. You know, there is a truth in that. Sometimes, sometimes God will have you do something, do something for a season and then that, that, that grace will lift. But you know, God's not as quick to lift that grace as one might think. Did you know a lot of times when people resign, and this is, this is what we've heard over the years when people get ready to resign from something, they'll, they'll say this again and again. Well, the grace of God, I'm just, is just lifting. You know, God's, God's grace doesn't lift. I'm talking about His serving grace doesn't lift as quick as, as one might think. A perfect example of this. Remember Paul 
when he was beaten up outside. I guess it was outside Lystra. Remember that? How many remembers that? They beat him to a pulp. They stoned him. They left him for dead. Uh, wouldn't that have been a good time for him to say, you know what? I think God's, God's serving grace is just lifting from me. Wouldn't that have been a good time? How many of you know he didn't do that? He got up, dusted himself off, went right back in the city and continued on yielding himself to the serving grace of God. Now, that's the kind of man I want to follow after. How about you? But, but we need to do our part. And, and, and before we go on and, and, and talk about, uh, about standing grace, I want to say this about serving grace. If you don't do your part to yield to God's serving grace in whatever area he's called you to serve in, you're going to hurt the body of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? There was a man. His name was Epaphroditus. And he almost died because Christians would not yield to God's serving grace. Notice if you would Philippians 2.30. Philippians 2.30. This, is, this can be a life and death matter. A life and death issue. Doing your part. Serving and doing your part. Notice this. Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he says, Because for the work of Christ. Notice. For the work of Christ. He. That's Epaphroditus. Came close to what? Death, not regarding his life. See, he was going to do what needed to be done. He didn't think about himself. He thought about others. And he was going to work and work and work and do what needed to be done, no matter what it cost him. For the work of Christ, he came close to death, not thinking about himself, not regarding his own life. Now, why? To supply what was lacking In your service, see service, toward me. There's a whole bunch of people in that church that could have yielded to the serving grace of God, but didn't. Could it be they were lele? Could it be they were L-A-A-Z? Could it laze? No, lazy. Realize, say lazy. Could it be they were lazy? One thing I found about Christians that don't serve and don't uh, uh, yield to this serving grace. Very quickly they become discontented with the church that they're in. You know why that is? Because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing there. Did you hear what I just said? Real quick. They become real discontented real fast. You need to find out what God has called you to do in that church where, where he set you and get and put your hand to the plow and get busy. They'll become discontented and then they'll then they'll, they'll, that discontent will spread. And. But these people here, they wouldn't supply what was lacking. In the service toward toward Paul, did, did, did you get that? See, Epaphroditus was close to Dying because he was overworking because other Christians wouldn't yield themselves, perhaps because they were, what what is that? Lazy, perhaps, to the serving grace of God. And this man could have died. Now he didn't. God was gracious to him. Isn't that something? I wouldn't want somebody to die because I was too lazy to do what God wanted me to do. Would you? Would you want that on your account? Wow. Well, we could go on and on and on. Let's go on and talk about 
the last kind here of grace, standing grace, standing grace. Now, what is standing grace? Well, standing grace is God's strength that enables us to stand victorious both in life and against the schemes of the devil. Standing grace. It's God's strength. Realize, say God's strength. Now, I want God's strength. How about you? That enables us to stand victorious both in life and against the schemes of the devil. Now, I believe, now listen carefully, I believe that standing grace is especially available to those who yield to God's serving grace. What do I mean by that? There's a lot of la, la, la. Oh, there's a lot of what? There's a lot of lazy Christians. I'm not saying in this church. I'm just saying generally over the last 20 years as I've looked at so many churches. I'm not talking necessarily about you. But if the shoe fits, what? But, 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 but here's the thing. I've seen lots of them over the many years in so many different churches. They did not want to yield to God's serving grace. But when they hit a bump in the road, all of a sudden now they want God's standing grace. And what I have learned is that while God is gracious and and he's merciful, I have learned this, that God's standing grace seems to be more readily available to someone who has yielded to his serving grace than someone that who that, that has it. Did you get what I just said? And when you, and, and I know this too, that when you yield to God's serving grace and you really start doing something for the kingdom of God, you're going to make the devil angry and he's going to come at you and he's going to throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink, so to speak. He's going to throw sickness and disease at your way. He's going to throw every kind of obstacle and every kind of discouragement your way. And I tell you what, in those times, you really are going to need God's standing grace. What is his standing grace? It's his strength that enables us to stand victorious both in life and against the schemes of the devil. Notice Romans 5, 2. Go there very quickly. I want you to see this. Romans 5, 2. Notice what the Bible says. Through whom also we have access by what? By faith. God's grace, whether it's saving grace, serving grace, or standing grace, it's all accessed by faith. Realize, say, by faith. Yeah. Didn't we see that God's saving grace was available only through faith? His serving grace is only available through faith. Look at me. Wait, I need to say this. You need to get this. If there's something that God needs done in the church, you don't wait for that grace to come on you to start doing the thing. You start doing the thing and you do it by faith. And then guess what happens? God's by faith. You start doing the thing by faith and then God's serving grace comes on you. Did you get what I just said? Did you get what I just said? There's a lot of people, they want the grace of God to come on them and then they'll do whatever. No, no, no. You do, you start doing whatever in your own might and ability by faith and then the power of God will come on you to serve in that certain area, you see. That's how it works. By faith. Realize, say by faith. And then, and then this standing grace, you start doing something for God. Notice we have access by faith into this grace by which we what? By which we what? By which we what? 
by which, by which we what? By which we're allowed to say stand. I want to be a stander. How about you? I want to be a stander. The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. I want to be a fighter. I don't mean we, not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to be a fighter. How about you? I want to be a stander. I don't want to be a weak man, be pamby Christian that just is carried about hither and yon with every wind of doctrine. Do you? I want to find out what God has called me to do. I want to take a step of faith and let his serving grace come on me and serve in that. And when the devil throws everything at me but the kitchen sink, then I yield to God's standing grace by faith. And I just stand there. And, and I like what one guy said. We stay and stand until the devil leaves. Oh, you ought to write that in, the, in, the, in, the, in your Bible, in the, in the fly leaf of your Bible. We stand till the devil leaves. We stay till the devil leaves. How long are you going to stand against the devil? Till he leaves. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. The Bible says, resist. See, resist the devil and he'll what? He'll flee, the Bible says. But you've got to be a stander. And in order to stand, you're going to need the grace of God to do it. And how do you stand? You stand by faith. I said you stand by faith. When it looks like you ought to lay down, go to bed, pull the covers over your head and quit. You don't do that. You get up and you, in the name of Jesus, spit in the devil's eye and you stand on the word of God. Did you hear just what I said? You stand. Notice 2 Corinthians 12, 7, probably the best example of standing grace, one of the best examples I see in the whole Bible. The Apostle Paul himself. See, he, he, he taught us, the Holy Spirit through Paul taught us about God's standing grace, but this was something that he wasn't just telling us about, this is something he experienced. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul writes, and he says, unless I should be exalted above measure... By the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, much speculation has been done as to what this messenger of Satan was. I'm convinced that it was not necessarily sickness or disease, but sickness or disease can be, both can be, sickness and disease can be a messenger of Satan. Certainly. How many of you know that God doesn't send sickness and disease, that the devil is the author of that? Is that correct? But it could have been. But, but if you study it out, Paul, have you ever said, you know, I got a pain in the neck? They've just been a pain in the neck to me. Well, that, well he, they didn't say that back then. They said a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. If you study it out very closely, I believe what it was is, is, is that the devil would stir people up. How many of you know the devil can do that? How many of you know the devil can stir Christians up that will yield to him? You understand that? And, and, and I've watched that. And, 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 and with Paul, 
there was a, a group of people known as the Judaizers and the devil would stir them up and they would go in ahead of Paul and sometimes they'd come in behind him. But I, I think usually they'd go ahead of him and they'd get everybody all stirred up and they'd get the notable people of the city all stirred up and they'd come against Paul and they would just persecute him and persecute him and persecute him and they'd come against his his teaching on grace and they'd say, hey, Paul is teaching that we ought to continue in sin, that grace may abound. What was Paul's response to that? God forbid. But they would twist things that he would say and, 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 and try to make him out to be to be less than who he was, a man of God. And it was getting to the point where it was beating Paul down and he just couldn't take it anymore. But sickness and disease can work much the same way. Did you know sickness and disease can beat on you and beat on you and beat on you and beat on you and beat on you till you just think you can't take it anymore? And you've been to the doctors and they, they're helping you all they can. But the sickness just beats on you and beats on you and beats on you. And sometimes what's even a worse thing yet, you know, have you ever had something in your car? We'll use car as an example. Have you ever had something going on in your car and, and, and you know it needed to be fixed? If it was simple, if they knew what it was, they could fix it. But you take it to the mechanic and they can't find what's making the noise. That's really aggravating, isn't it? Or maybe there's something in your body that's not working right. You go to the doctor, they figure out what it is. They can give you medicine a lot of times and, and, and fix it. But sometimes you go to the doctor and they can't even tell you what's wrong with you. Now, that's really frustrating, isn't it? And the problem isn't fixing the problem. The problem is finding what the problem is. Is that right? And, and that can just beat on you and beat on you and beat on you and beat on you. A messenger of Satan to buffet. I'm telling you, if that's you, you need something today. You need God's standing grace. And he was given a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three, how many times? Three times that it might depart from me. Paul was no different than you or me. Wouldn't it just be easier for the thing to just depart and just go away? Wouldn't that be just wonderful, just depart and go away? And he pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He was no different than you or me. He had the same kinds of issues. And, 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 and worse, really, if you get right down to it. Three times that it might depart from me. And do we read in the Bible where God removed that thorn in the flesh? No, he didn't. But what did God do? God, God didn't answer his prayer. Yes, he did. He said, now notice what he said. My what? My grace, my power, my strength is sufficient for you. And you know it is. I said it is, it is, it is. I said it is, it is. My grace is sufficient for you for what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. I tell you what, the weaker you seemingly get in and of yourself, the stronger the grace of God will get on you. And it's sufficient. Real out loud, say, God's grace is sufficient for me. It is. No matter what you're going through, it's sufficient. And then he said, I'll most gladly boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ, that's that standing grace, may rest upon me. Thank God for that standing grace. 
And, and I tell you what, he got to a place where he yielded to this standing grace to the point where he said in verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses. Now, how many of us are there? I don't think I've gotten there yet. That's a place we all ought to strive to get to. To get to a place where the Apostle Paul was at, where we could actually say, I take pleasure when the going gets tough. I take pleasure when I'm weak. I take pleasure when things aren't going right. I take pleasure when, 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 when there's problems. He says, I take pleasure in these things, in reproaches, and he lists some of them, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Why is that? That's because of God's standing grace. And you access it by faith. How do you do that? When you're weak, you say, I am. What does the Bible say? Let the weak say, I am strong. When your body's telling you is getting ready to. There's something on you getting ready to kill you. What do you do? You stand up and say, I am strong. And you do it by faith. That means you may not feel like saying that. You may not feel like like saying that. The circumstances may be completely against it. But I tell you what. When you're weak, you say what? When you're weak, you say what? And it takes faith. There's a lot of people don't ever get to where Paul was because they don't exercise their faith. We have to take pleasure in infirmities, take pleasure in weaknesses, because then we become a candidate for God's standing grace. Let's close in, in Hebrews 4.16. <clears throat> Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So stand with me if you would. In the presence of a holy God. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a few moments. The Bible says let's come boldly to the throne of grace. First of all, for saving grace. See, if you're here today and you're in need, see, we may find grace to help in time of need. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to be sure that you've received him and accessed him and accessed that saving grace by faith. So the heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to just tell you, if you're here today and you've never received God's saving grace, you need to do it before you leave today. Because there really is a heaven to, uh, uh, to obtain and there really is a, a hell that you don't want to go to. And God doesn't want you to go to hell. That's why he sent Jesus. And that's why he's provided this saving grace for you. So when we dismiss the service, if that's you and you need to access God's saving grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, when we dismiss this service in just minutes from now, there'll be people standing up here in the front. You come up and you get with one of them and you ask them to pray with you and they'll introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll, they'll help you and they'll pray with you. They can't do it for you, but they can help you. And pray with you where you can access God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and maybe you once walked with 
close with the Lord, you've kind of cooled off and got away from him. It'd be a real good day to rededicate your life and your service to him. And so if you need to do that, when we dismiss in a few moments, there'll be some people standing up here in the front. You come up and get with one of them and they'll help you in that. But secondly, maybe you're here today and you need to yield yourself to God's serving grace. Well, it's available to you. And all you have to do is receive it, receive it by faith. And and, and actually, what do we teach you today? Go set your hand to the plow. Go out there and find out where we have needs in this church. And, 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 And take a step of faith and get involved, bless God. And let the saving or the serving grace of God come on you. And then finally, and this is where I just want to, I just, I just, this right here, this standing grace. I tell you what, it's available for everybody here today. Now, like I said in the message, if you've been a server of the Lord, this saving, this standing grace will come, come easier to you. But God is merciful and God is gracious. And even if you haven't been doing everything you should be doing and serving and you need to stand in grace, God is merciful and it's available for you today. All you have to do is by faith reach out and receive it. So I want to pray for you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anyone that's under the sound of my voice that needs this standing power. I just stand with them right now in agreement. Oh, God, that you're standing that your standing power, your standing ability, your standing grace, your strength would come upon them and, and, and would be, would be mighty on them and mighty in them. And as they continue to, I feel real strong to say this, you've got to make a stand. And when you make a stand, you'll find that God's standing grace will meet you and it'll be there. But you've got to make a stand. You've got to be a fighter. You've got to be someone that's done all to stand and say, I'm going to stand therefore. I'm going to stand right here. Bless God. I'm going to stay till the devil leaves. And I tell you what, if you'll rise up with that faith in your heart, I'm telling you what, bless God. God will meet you. And that power of God will rest upon you. You don't have to die young. You don't have to die young. You don't have to die out of the will of God. You don't have to, to continue to be sick and, 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 and afflicted. You don't have to, oh yeah, you don't have to continue to be weak. But you can rise up. And let this, and meet, yeah, rise up and meet this standing grace of God. God's provided it for you. Now all you have to do is stand up and receive it. If you'll do it, things can turn out better. And they can turn out the way God wants them to turn out. I perceive by the Spirit of God, there's some people in here today, that if you do not, Yield yourself to this standing grace. That there'll be an end to, to, there'll be an end to things, but it won't be the way God wanted it to end up. But you can yield today to this standing grace. And things can have the outcome that God wants. You can live out your days and you can be strong while doing it. Yeah, God's done all he's going to do. He's 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 ready to meet you, but you've got it. You've got you've got to make a decision. I'm going to get I'm going to I'm going to tap into that standing grace. 
And if you'll do, the outcome can be good. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, isn't Jesus wonderful? I'm glad I came today. How about you? Well, go out and walk in the grace of God. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.